Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, and that is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this on Monday, January 25th, 2021. So, Aaron, that puts us three episodes into WandaVision, right? It does indeed, and I'm, I'm waiting for the rest, because right now it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I love the art direction. I love how the show has adhered to a lot of the tropes of sitcoms of the 50s and the 60s. And I think we just finished with their Brady Bunch tribute. So that that's the 70s. And I guess we should mention that there's spoilers coming right now. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Okay. But, you know, a couple of inter- interesting moments where we've seen Wanda, for lack of a better term, rewind the action. Yep. But the moment that this show finally really caught my attention was the end of episode three, where we saw Tiona Paris's character, Geraldine, a.k.a. Uh, Monique Rambeau, when she got tossed out of Westview and it was sort of inferred that Wanda herself had tossed her out. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. I, after watching that episode, I had to peruse Twitter later in the day and everybody Mm -hmm. was all like, Oh my God. When they said Pietro got killed by Ultron, I was sobbing and crying. And I was like, why Mm -hmm. he was in one movie. He didn't make Mm -hmm. a very big impression. I'm sure a lot of people like Quicksilver as a character. I get that. But mm-hmm. we had Tony Stark through like 11 movies. He died. And it seems like we're having a bigger reaction because they just mentioned Pietro at the end. Mm-hmm. And everyone's posting their sobbing gifts of, oh, it's so sad. And it's like, I don't I don't think it's that sad. I don't think it's trash. I don't think it's surprising. It's not mm-hmm. a new character. It's not a reveal. It's just going, oh, yeah, that happened. Mm -hmm. And Wanda doesn't like that because she's in a broken mental state. And I think that Mm -hmm. that aspect is the most interesting thing that happened. Not the mentioning of Pietro, just the Mm -hmm. fact that Wanda almost snapped out of it. And we almost finally got somewhere plot wise three episodes Mm in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to be fair, though, they are fully embracing the sitcom conceit. So each of these episodes has roughly been like 30 minutes long. So. We're only 90 minutes in. We've got six episodes to go. You got to assume if this holds, we've got another three, another three hours of story. You know, we finally started the story now. We've seen when Geraldine hits the ground, we get a glimpse of a, a military operation. And then off in the distance, there's some sort of weird bubble-shaped thing that that looks like it's made out of television static. So I'm hoping that we finally get some of the outside story going because we've had a couple of clues. I mean, for example, Geraldine is wearing that necklace that has a sword shape on it, Mm -hmm. which in the Marvel Universe, sword is what? The sentient world observation and response department. I think that's been updated to sentient weapon. So Ah. Wanda being sentient as a person, but also Mm -hmm. very dangerous like a weapon. So now and Mm -hmm. and in the future, if we have to deal with a mutant uprising, Mm -hmm. they would also be sentient weapons Mm -hmm. uh, classification. So, yeah, I I think that's where we're at today with the acronym of sword. Got it. Got it. And definitely worth noting here is Tona Paris did an interview with TV line last week and said that the WandaVision picks up right after 
Avengers Endgame. So a damaged Wanda coping with trauma definitely scans for what's supposedly going on here. But again, you're not getting that from the show. You're getting that for people working on the show. Yeah, I mean, right now it's like judging the first chapter of a long novel that we haven't gotten to the end of the book yet. So we can't fairly assess. I mean, they can at some point double back and and make episodes one, two, and three relevant Mm -hmm. at some point. Like, Mm -hmm. so far as I've been watching it, I'm like, you could totally condense this into an episode. The only Mm -hmm. reason for them to exist is to create a pattern Mm -hmm. of 60s, 70s, 80s sitcom Mm -hmm. style and then, you know, play with that pattern and then break it later on. The only reason to make a pattern is to break a pattern. So I think at some point later on, hopefully... It's going to fold back, and, and one, two, and three are going to have a lot more relevance because right now I think you could excise it because it seems like there's no plot there. Uh, you know, maybe there's a wealth of information we're just not aware of yet because we haven't had okay. it, the light shined on that yet. No, I get that. I get that. But I'm not a big fan of shows where, I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy an Easter egg. But when a show seems to be all Easter eggs, that for me, that's not entertainment, that's homework. Right. But at the same time, I mean, I'm willing to play along, especially since Paul Bettany just tweeted out that I guess episode four is going to be the one that blows everybody's mind. And I guess there's been a lot of speculation about who Catherine Hahn's character is, Agnes. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks who are longtime Marvel comic fans I've been zeroing in on the brooch that Agnes is wearing and suggest that because of that brooch, that's the giveaway that Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness, who is the Scarlet Witch's longtime mentor from the comics. Yeah, there's there was anti-Agnes, and then there was also like a little thing about how they had a a framed picture of a cow in the show, Mm -hmm. and that harkened back to a handful of issues where Wanda was raised by a sentient cow. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't aware of that. And when I read it, I was in the disbelief at how stupid it sounded. Right? <laughs> Raised by a cow. Okay. Really? That's what you're gonna you're gonna tell me now? And then that they're gonna you know frame a cow's face on the wall like it's a picture of mom, mm-hmm. and hang it up in the background. It's just like, well, how many people really know that Easter egg? And how many people see? It? I mean, you're you're getting down to such a small number of people. You know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. honestly, in Star Trek episode 67, when the Klingon landed, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I don't want to go down that route of nerdism. Okay. But that said, when we were pre-gaming just now, you were talking about how, uh, you know, at least when it comes to the ads, you were really enjoying those. Okay, but those are for a little bit of a different reason. And I think those actually have some storytelling point because the first ad was mm-hmm. the uh, Stark toaster Mm -hmm. and if you recall wanda's first traumatic experience was when a stark missile landed in their complex and sat there blinking for several days and they didn't know if it was going to go off and if you look at that toaster it's all silver except for one red blinking light that doesn't blink with a rhythm it's it's got this anti-rhythmic pattern where it goes blink 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 and yeah that's offsetting that's that's okay. traumatic for Wanda. Okay. All the right. second one is the Strucker watch. And mm-hmm. obviously that's Baron von Strucker who was mm-hmm. at the teased at the end of um 
Civil War, I think. No, yeah. it was it wasn't Civil War. It was uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, oh, oh Winter Soldier. Yeah. My mistake. And, My mistake. And then it yep. opens mm-hmm. up Age of Ultron with the attack mm-hmm. on on the castle there. So that watch mm-hmm. is a reference to Baron von Strucker. And then the third one was really obscure for a while. I couldn't quite figure it out. And I'm going to play the audio. Here's just mm-hmm. the last part of what we're going to call Hydra Soap. Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Escape to a world all your own, where your problems float away. When you want to get away, but you don't want to go anywhere. Hydrosoak. Find the goddess within. In the background of this video commercial, um, it, it looks rather tropical, almost like a Tahiti background. And so this woman is very frantically cleaning up, you know, the dog peed on the floor and the kids made a mess. And so the announcer says, let's take you away with a beautiful long soak. And it's a blue soap. And Mm -hmm. that seemed obscure until we found uh, this online. And it's Coulson talking to Daisy. Here's that clip from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I would have figured it out a long time ago if it wasn't for the mind control soap. Yeah. Wait, what? That blue soap everyone uses? Hydra loads it up with chemicals. It seeps into our bloodstream and plants false memories into our brains. They want us to believe this is a magical place. But don't worry, I'm clear. I make my own soap now. Now, I thought that was a pretty deep cut, but when I hear it, Coulson telling Daisy how he's making his own homemade soap now to avoid Hydra's brainwashing soap, I thought that was pretty funny. And it's I'm torn. Is that too deep of a cut, Jim, or is that just plain funny? This is why I love doing this show with you because you caught that i didn't and and now i feel smarter but at the same time i feel also i feel like i shouldn't have complained as much as i did about you know lack of story that maybe you're right maybe this is once we have all nine episodes and and can go backwards and forwards and realize the craft deeply i am torn on this because this is Mm. very similar to mandalorian and i was Mm. watching it with my beloved my wife Mm. and she didn't get half of it because she doesn't she was not knee deep in nerd like I was. Mm-hmm. I played Star Wars Galaxies and went on an hour long crate hunt in the desert and one lucky survivor out of a 80 person raid got to pull the crate pearl out of the carcass. So when they actually hoisted a crate pearl out of that carcass, it was like me and seven other guys across the U.S. went, oh, my God, a crate pearl. It was too deep of a cut, Jim. Nobody gets that joke except seven people. It's too deep. You can't do inside jokes like that and expect the public to go in. So with with things like WandaVision and they're doing the deep, deep Easter eggs, I -hmm. think that the general public, the people that are not lifelong diehard make mine marvel nerds mm-hmm. they, if they don't get it they don't get that joy they don't get that satisfaction if you're wasting valuable seconds and minutes on something that goes over the head of most of the general audience mm-hmm. i think you're missing a, a huge opportunity because you have to remember even though we've been around for 11 years of cinematic movies, this may be the first time a kid is deemed old enough by his parents to watch something in the MCU. This may be the first time a grandmother watches an MCU thing with their grandkids by accident. This may be the very first time someone watches something in the MCU and it will make no sense to them. And that's where I want, as a fan, I want Marvel to succeed 
And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you going with the deep cuts, but come on, let's mm-hmm. let's make it so that the basic folk can hop on the, the train and enjoy it with us. You can't go that deep. To be fair, in fact, you, you were the one who pointed these out, so I circled back around this past weekend and watched them. The Marvel Studio Legends short pieces, uh, you know, the, there's only been the two episodes to date. They're only seven to eight minutes long, but, but they do give you uh, a lot of backstory on Scarlet Witch Wanda and Vision. And I, I think you were the one who made the joke to the effect that they should also feature the to-be-continued. No, it was, it was previously on MCU. Is oh, how it, my mistake. That's how it my should mistake. open. And then it should okay. lead straight in. Now, as a, as a follower, if mm-hmm. you're a fan of the podcast and you've been listening mm-hmm. the whole time, chances are you're caught up on your MCU. So Marvel mm-hmm. Legends is 100% pointless to you as a fan mm-hmm. because it is 100% rehashed footage from previous films. And mm-hmm. we've seen them dozens of times. When I saw these clips, I recognized each one of them. I went, yep, mm-hmm. I remember that happening. I saw it on the theater. I saw it on my home screen many times. So that there was nothing new in, in any of that. So when I watched Legends, I didn't get anything out of it. But you're right. For a new viewer, where it's their first time viewing, this is their primer, their, their little Rosetta Stone, if you will, to give them some mm-hmm. sort of grasp of direction in, into the MCU. And while we're mentioning new stuff uh, that Disney Plus is doing in the, the Marvel sphere, we, we should probably note there's a brand new documentary special coming from Marvel. Marvel's Behind the Mask debuts February 12th. Uh, that's a Friday. And it basically goes into, I think, something, again, you've touched on a number of times about how, you know, Marvel had a gift, especially in the 60s, of figure out ways to use the comics to talk about issues of the day. And in this case, the, the way they use masks and identities and that sort of thing, touch on civil rights, equal rights, you know, and the like. And so evidently this documentary does a really deep dive on, on that portion. They've also been doing that in the comics more currently today with LGBTQ mm-hmm. by making sure that they write so that there is some inclusivity Mm-hmm. And uh, they they do take a lot of flack from certain groups that think that's, you know, indoctrination or something. Mm-hmm. And then there are other groups who say, oh, my God, I finally feel included because that represents me. And you have to, I think, err on the side of inclusivity mm-hmm. and and say, yeah, we'll take the flack as long as we get to include these people who have never had a voice before, it's worth that heat. Oh, no, I can, I, I love that they do that. And speaking of including, we, before we continue here, we, we probably should include a plug for our lovely sponsor. So uh, today's show is being presented by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of Marvelous Disney. If you're ready to start traveling again and are looking for a worry-free travel experience, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, so we were just talking about Marvel and Disney Plus, and did you catch the piece in The Hollywood Reporter about both DC and Marvel leaning heavily into the multiverse idea? Oh, yeah, I've been eagerly waiting to see what happens Mm. with DC, and it's Mm. almost like it's become a race to, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the space race, you know, first man into orbit type of thing. Who can do Mm -hmm. their multiverse first? 
And mm-hmm. I think that I, DC already won just by way of the Flash in TV. I think they, during their crossover, yeah, they, they yep. included, mm-hmm. uh, was it Keaton? Batman in yep. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they already win just because of that mm-hmm. right there. There's so much stuff going on in the DC sphere. I mean, for example, just yesterday, in fact, Leica, the stop motion studio, mm-hmm. has been tapped by Warners to do a stop motion Batman movie. Huh? And Ooh. yeah, we got that Lego Batman movie a few years ago that was actually really great fun. Yeah, but when you say stop motion, it's like, are we going Wallace and Gromit direction? Are we going something in, in a, like, there's so many different directions that you could do stop mm-hmm. motion animation simply just because Ray Harryhausen was live action with stop motion elements added in. I don't see that being the case. I would think they would go mm-hmm. full blown Isle of Dogs stop motion. Uh, but I, I don't know what the art would look like. That's what I would want to know. I go, okay, if you're going to do stop motion animation, show me what the art looks like before I can get excited. And if I like no. how the art looks, then I go, oh, that looks awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Just in the past week to 10 days, there's been a lot of rumors about a revival of Batman the Animated Series from the early 90s. Likewise, the word broke about, oh, the, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League is going to be a four-hour-long film. Okay, no, hold on. We got to talk about that just for a second. Mm-hmm. You know damn well that that was net like when it was originally Zack Snyder's film before there was a personal mm-hmm. tragedy within his family and mm-hmm. he had to step away. That was mm-hmm. never going to be a four-hour thing ever, mm-hmm. right? No. So mm-hmm. this has been inflated from what it ever possibly could have been. The, the Snyder Cut is not mm-hmm. this anymore. It's something bigger than that. The Snyder Cut was five years ago. This mm-hmm. is a whole new beast, twice the size, overinflated. Mm-hmm. And there was a quote from a Warner Brothers executive not that long ago who said, I wish it would have stopped at like 30 million. <laughs> But they, oh, they keep throwing money into this fire, and, uh, and you know, Zach's talking about how, oh, man, it was it was going to be a four-hour miniseries, and then it was going to be like the original aspect ratio, the original Academy aspect ratio, like The Wizard of Oz, like a box. Mm-hmm. And, the, oh, my goodness, it was there was so many permutations this thing has gone through so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I, I just can't wait to see whatever it ends up becoming so we can end this argument once and for all and put that bad little baby to bed for good. Well, you know, but what's interesting, if we d- double back to WandaVision for just a moment, again, we were just talking about half hour long episodes, nine of them. So when all is said and done, when when this limited series is completed, that's going to be four and a half hours of story, which is now a half hour longer than the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. So you got to wonder, did Snyder sort of look over the fence at what Marvel's doing and at the expanded storytelling and figure that this originally was trying to finish the film that he was trying to make, you know, several years yeah, ago. And now even though yeah. when when they decided to finance this and get this going once again, it was originally mm-hmm. gonna be split up into, I believe it was four one hour long chapters. Yes. And yes. so I, I, yeah, I mean we talked about that. Mm-hmm. But then again, when you do that, Jim, you know, as as a storyteller, you can't just 
tell a story from beginning to end and then just lop it off at 60 minutes. You have to have mm-hmm. a nice place where you can stop story-wise mm-hmm. and let there be a cliffhanger or a moment for the audience to catch their breath or to wonder what will come next. Mm-hmm. But you can't just stop at an hour and, and cut and roll credits mm-hmm. and then start from that point, you know, uh, uh, on the next episode. So you have a little bit more structure concern when you're mm-hmm. breaking it into four hour long episodes. So it kind of gets down to, you know, what's the story is he trying to tell and does it lend itself to that format or not? The Hollywood Reporter Multiverse article, they actually mentioned the Jeremy Renner Hawkeye project, which started off as a solo movie at Marvel. But they eventually came back to Jeremy and said, you know, we're doing this thing for Disney+. Plus. We'd like to expand the story. The very thing you were talking about, you know, moments to breathe, you know. And so that ended up being an, another six-episode thing. Now, we got to ask a question here uh, that we really don't know the answer to yet, but I would love to mm-hmm. find out. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner, as an actor working with Disney, you're part of the Avengers. The first thing they mm-hmm. say to you is, hey, we're going to make a Hawkeye movie someday. Mm-hmm. And you go, great, I'm looking forward to it. And at that point, you have this idea of a paycheck. I've mm-hmm. been making so much so long and now if i get my solo movie obviously it's got to be a little bit higher than what i've made thus far right mm-hmm. now they come to you and say hey it's not going to be a movie it's going to be a series on disney plus it's going to be like overall four hours long or four and a half hours long so twice as long as a movie mm-hmm. is he getting paid twice as much or half as much because it's a tv show now not a movie because Actors and, and TV, if you do mm-hmm. like a two-week miniseries, you're probably not making as much as an actor in a two-hour movie. So how does this count on the contract for him? Drew and I actually just talked about this yesterday because there's an animated film that was called Connected, which is now called Mitchell's, The Mitchells versus The Machines, mm-hmm. that just got sold to Netflix. And it's by Miller and Lord, the folks who, who did the Lego movies, who were the original directors of Solo, A Star Wars Story. And the interesting thing is it's supposedly an animated feature that cost $50 million to make, but Netflix bought it for $110 million. Drew suggested that the higher price point that Netflix paid for it actually reflects the fact that the people who were doing voices for the film had profit participation. Mm. And so that when they sold this film to Netflix, they had to actually kick in get an additional pile of money because, well, we promised people that when they came and worked on this film, you know, they'd get a set amount for the voice work. But because they came and did the film, we'd also give them profit participation. So you got to wonder, particularly given that Jeremy Renner has been playing Hawkeye since Thor, right? Yeah, yeah. 2010, 2011? So, yeah, he he's done his time. So, uh, you know, I would imagine it was not just going to be a good paycheck. It was going to be a great paycheck for the Hawkeye solo film. Well, I mean, so far, Marvel has been casting very talented actors and actresses mm-hmm. for all of the roles, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't ever want there to be a, a tier of here's our movie stars and mm-hmm. here's our Disney Plus stars, you know, and, and they're the B squad. It shouldn't be like that. They should all be A-list actors, and they should, uh, you know, I hope 
that if Disney comes to them and says, hey, we're going to give you a series, that that mm-hmm. actor is filled with just as much professional gratification as if it were to be said, hey, we're going to give you a movie. It's so interesting you mention this because, of course, they cocked to Kevin Feige as part of this Hollywood Reporter thing. And he talked about what's going on with the MCU and that between now and 2024, Marvel has 25 different projects planned. 12 of those are theatrical releases and the other 13 are Disney Plus properties. And and what Kevin said about this, about how did, you know he makes that decision, it says, look, it really comes down to the story. And when you have an opportunity with a She-Hulk or a Ms. Marvel, you know, the beauty of doing a Disney Plus series is you get more time to introduce a character before we then see them in a feature. So as far as as Kevin is concerned, in fact, as part of the article he mentions, I put things in two categories. There's the Marvel theatrical releases and then everything else. That includes uh, live action, the animated stuff, as well as the the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. That almost doesn't sound good, though. That sounds like B-Squad. There's the cinematic, and then there's everything else. And it's like, Mm. I care about one thing, and -hmm. then there's other stuff. And that's where you go, hey, man, uh, is this Disney Plus series other stuff? <laughs> Interesting point. Oh, 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 by the way, I remember a couple of shows back, you were to- you were talking about the Sony side of the fence, what yeah. they're doing with all their Spider-Man characters and that sort of thing. As part of this article, we finally have the name of what they're doing, uh, you know, over at Sony, and it, it literally does have a name. It's called the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters. Spunk. Yeah, uh, we talked about that a long time ago. SPUMK was a wonderful acronym. I love it, SPUMK. Okay, but but here's the thing. If you're a Ren and Stimpy fan, mm-hmm. do you remember SPUMCO? Yeah. The end card at every Ren and Stimpy episode, they'd have Jimmy the Idiot Boy drooling, and it would say SPUMCO. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the Danes call it quality. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If that shows up in the movie, I will yeah. die laughing. Yeah, same thing here. Oh, by the way, I, I just I want to do this in passing because we spend entirely too much time talking about changing release dates on this show. But did you see what went on with Morbius? Oh yeah, that that bounced like a rubber ball. <sighs> Okay, what Aaron's referring to is like, what is it? Back on January 11th, Morbius, its release date got changed. Uh, It was supposed to come out on March 19th of this year and then got pushed off to October 8th, which I think you and I talked about, you know, that was the the Venom release date. And, you know, supposedly, oh, they're going to do it out in front of Halloween. It's going to make more money. Ten days later, just ten days later, because MGM UA decided to move Bond, right. uh, the new Bond, uh, No Time to Die, to October 8th, Sony immediately pushed Morbius out again. So it went from October 8th all the way up to January 21st, 2022. Yeah, let me know when Black Widow gets her ballet shoes and starts to tiptoe the hell out of May, <sighs> and I'll start to worry about that again, because, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think everything, everyone thought it was going to be solid. We'll just move it to 2021, it will be good, and we just forgot mm-hmm. that... The only thing that really happens new in 2021 is you get a new calendar, but that's really about the only thing that changes from... Uh, you're yeah. not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh, oh, there's one last quote out of this article that I really wanted to talk with you about. 
And it comes from Roy Thomas, who was a Stanley protege. And supposedly, Stan told Roy this himself. This comes from years and years of, of crafting stories at Marvel, you know, with folks like Jack Kirby and the like. And it's like, when it comes to stories, no matter what audiences say, they don't actually want change. They want the illusion of change. Sure. Do you buy into that? Or? Absolutely. I'm holding in my hand a little chunk of a, a blast from the past. I, a, a, it's a little golden book, a really furry little golden book with the, the gold foil on the edge. But here's the thing, Aaron. This is a little golden book about Marvel's Loki. Oh, is it about um, how to be a good liar? Uh, no, it's this is brand new. This came out uh, June 5th of this year. They flat out tell you, uh, if you go to the Golden Books website, uh-huh. this is tied into the Loki series at, at Disney+. Plus. But the idea is that this little Golden Book about everyone's favorite Marvel Avenger villain is perfect for boys and girls ages two to five, as well as fans and collectors of all ages. And it has wonderful illustrations by Holly Mengart mm-hmm. and a, a clever little story by Ari Kaplan. But it was the notion of I was in my local Barnes and Noble and it was like, that's there's a Loki little Golden Book. And having had, you know, a bunch of those when I was a kid, or for that matter, you know, got a bunch of them for Alice when she was a little kid, it just had to have one. When I was growing up, I got this little tiny book from my mother, Mm -hmm. and it was Mm -hmm. basically instructions on how to be a good person. And each Mm -hmm. page was like a sentence, a very simple Mm -hmm. instruction, you know, say please and thank you. Mm -hmm. I want to do a a Loki book now, not gold. (laughs) Not gold. I want to do silver because silver-tongued is the Loki way, uh, right? Okay. So this yep. will be the silver Loki book, and it will be instructions on how to be a better liar. Like, look them directly in the eye when you tell a lie. It's very hard to disbelieve someone when they look you dead in the eye. Rule number two is, you know, add a small embarrassing detail about yourself to help sweeten the lie a little bit because no one's going to make fun of, you know, themselves about how, yeah, and I tripped into the koi pond and I was soaked the whole night. Oh, so embarrassed. You know, it's like that. Nobody makes that kind of thing up about themselves. That's those are the things that make the lie believable, son. (laughs) Okay, so, so for those folks listening in from Little Golden Books, if, if you're looking for a sequel to the Loki book, please reach out to Aaron Adam. I, I think we've just found a fun idea here. By the way, before I forget, we've got nine uh, episodes of WandaVision, and we have an air date for the, the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, there'll be a two-week uh, break between when the last episode of Wanda airs, and that's March 5th. So they pick up again on March 19th. Now, if this pattern holds, if the two-week break holds, Falcon of the Winter Soldier is just six episodes, should end its run of its first season on February, April 23rd. So if we're doing the math right here, Loki should begin, in fact, they flat out said that Loki is supposed to begin airing in May. Depending on how we work the math here, that's either May 7th or May 14th. I don't know, but I'm going to be stacking up on uh, torches and pitchforks just in case they <laughs> fail us. And we will <laughs> march on down to, where's headquarters at? Is it in Florida? 
Well, if we're marching, we, we, we might want to make a stop in Atlanta and, and check in on Spider-Man Home something. Uh, by the way, we'll, we'll get back from a commercial break here, folks. We're, we're going to give you an update on that Tom Holland movie. Aaron's tolerance for film and production stories, you, you, you have a very tiny tolerance for these, right? You know, well, no, I just, I just call them non-stories. People uh-huh. write things and mm-hmm. they have absolutely no relevance. And, and I, I'm trying to remember, there was one headline mm-hmm. uh, about Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. And it was very definitive, like... Tom Holland's younger brother gonna is going to play Harry Osborn. Mm-hmm. And I said, whoa, that's strong. Mm-hmm. And then I read the article, and they're like, oh, he was seen on set, and uh, Tom Holland was in costume as Spider-Man, and they spoke, and there was a camera present. Maybe it was rolling. Maybe he'll be in the movie. Maybe not. That's about all we got. And it's like, what? what is, wait a minute, there is actually no information, no connection, no anything, just BS that is not connectable to reality in any way, shape, or form. So we get stories all the time about, hey, Robert Downey Jr., you're going to come back as Tony Stark, and it's mm-hmm. like, let the man rest. I can't miss mm-hmm. him if he won't go away. Same thing with Cap. I love him. Let him let him have his life with his true love and have a moment of peace for crying out loud. We've got okay. Hang on. <laughs> we we have to actually you're doing a drive by here, oh, and we have right. to talk that was about actually part of a story. I forgot. Okay, go ahead. That's an actual story this week. That January fifteenth. Deadline, you know, right up there with the Hollywood Reporter and Variety, broke the story that Chris Evans was supposedly negotiating a return to the MCU. No, back back, Uh, back that up and said they broke the non-story. Okay. All right. Uh, again, we, we have a slight disagreement here, folks. Uh, but, but again, I'm, I'm just reporting what was reported. So, again, supposedly a three-picture deal. And where, where this got interesting, well, uh, you explained what, what Chris Evans tweeted out when this news broke. He said news to me, which, yep. I mean, and now we'll readily admit he could show up mm. as a voice in What If?, Mm-hmm. Because we've already said that all of the characters who've, or all of the actors who mm-hmm. have an established character within the MCU are coming back and lending their voices mm-hmm. for this project many times over. So we're expecting the possibility, at least, of him showing up. We're not going to be surprised when it happens. And if he did it, he's already lent his voice to it like a decade ago so they could hand draw the stupid stuff. So, I mean, you know, it's not like he's doing anything tomorrow. It's in the past already. So, yeah, I mean, there's and there's a thousand other movies and projects and heroes that -hmm. are in the pipeline that don't require anything to do with Cap. We don't even need a flashback for any silly reason. So, yeah, let's move on. Uh, okay, well, uh, just two little quick side notes here. All right. That, that, all right. Jamie Lee Curtis, who was in Knives Out with Chris Evans, the, the Ryan Johnson film, right after Chris 
you know, posted his news to me through a very funny tweet out there. Because remember, she played Chris Evans' mom in Knives Out. Mm -hmm. And she was like, can I play your mom in any movie you make from now on? Just like, I really enjoyed hanging out with you. Yeah, that's acceptable. That's that's fine if she turns out to be Cap's mom. We got no problem with Jamie Lee Curtis in the MCU. I give her a bigger role, though, so we can use her more often. This is true. Okay, and and then I, again, I, I, I know Aaron does not care for these, but a Marvel insider did come forward, uh, a gentleman who who's been pretty much on the money in regard to casting news and story turns and and that sort of thing. Is it, is it Roger on Twitter? Is is this coming from Feige's wife again, Regina? I la 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 la. I have no idea what you're referring to, but yes, that there has been some information about what's involved here, and it would appear that evidently one of the rules of this even being considered is can't do anything to change the end of Endgame. You know that was earned. It's a moment that people love. Rule number one with this even being considered is. That has to be protected. Mm-hmm. So the way that, that it's being approached is supposedly at least two of the films in the three-picture deal are set in the past, way past. Like the rumor is that they want to bring Cap back as part of the introduction of the X-Men into the MCU, uh, in particular in, in a, a two films that would team him with Wolverine, which... Again, interesting rabbit hole. And then the other, uh, the third film supposedly of this set is kind of hiding in plain sight. It appears to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh And they keep referring to Captain Hydra. Because face it, we saw in Endgame there was at least the inference that there was a Captain Hydra. There was a, a, a captain who'd been turned by Hydra. So, like, if they do a Wayback story with Cap, mm-hmm. don't you think at some point during any of our current movies, Cap should have piped up with, hey, you know, I once ran into this dude with metal claws that came out of his hands. It was really weird. And he's been around for decades now, like me. Like, he just doesn't age. I don't get it. You, you don't think that would have popped up in conversation at any point? Hey, Cap, outside of being frozen in ice for the last, you know, 90 years, anything else weird happened? Oh, yeah, back in the 70s, there was this dude with his long sideburns and a cigar, and knives came out of his freaking hands. That was weird. Forgot to mention that. This is why I really feel like... There should be in Kevin Feige's office, you know, a little, in case of story concerns, break glass and contact Aaron Adams. Again, you could chime in at these moments, you know, get and save them so much trouble. What do you, you think know? about the idea? Because really, we can't have a, a Magneto like we used to. He mm-hmm. was a, a product of a concentration camp, right? Mm-hmm. That was the original Magneto. In order to have that human today and still be alive, would mm-hmm. need some mystical power or some time travel device in in the storytelling. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with them changing Magneto so he doesn't have to be from World War II times and requiring time travel. What if he just occurred today and his traumatic experience was some other form of unjustness? Right. 
because you can't stay completely uh, slavish to all the origin stories of the entire MCU because Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, was not originally with the Fantastic Four. That goes way back to, I want to say, like the, the 20s, uh, before the Fantastic Four. And he ended up getting, getting retooled to be put with the Fantastic Four. So, I mean, they they keep evolving. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, remember, that we were talked about an X-Men relaunch of the comic books where the island mm. was mystical and teleported people and all kinds of craziness. It's like, why can't they just go with new X-Men now? And I get it would be a whole lot of fun to have a multiverse of madness and be able to include the old X-Men into our canon in some way. I'm fine with that if it happens. Cool, no problem. But I don't want Hugh Jackman as Wolverine again. <laughs> I want a new one. And I hate to say this, but equally, we've had two wonderful Magnetos and Sir Ian McKellen and Michael Fassbender. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want a new take on them. I enjoy those two. They did great work over a series of films. Yeah, but but if we do have that link in the multiverse of madness and we do tip the hat and say, okay, they existed in their own little dimension and mm -hmm. we accept that, that's fine, that's great. But you know darn well that Feige wants mutants in our MCU today. And it's not going to be a 98-year-old guy in a, in a metal helmet. It's gonna, he, he's got, his origin story's got to be rewritten. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to lean really heavily into the multiverse to just be able to wipe away that little bit of backstory inconvenience that it is. And just mm -hmm. go, oh, he just popped out of Universe 714B, and now he's here. And that's good enough, guys. Don't ask too many questions. Otherwise, you'll end up being the Star Trek nerd. Again, in, in episode 67, when the Klingons landed, and... Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't want to go down that Jeffrey's tube. By the way, love the reference. Is a trekker, not a trekkie? I, I genuinely appreciate that. But let's also face facts. We have been dealing with a pandemic that, again, we, we can talk all we want about, you know, 12 theatrical releases between now and, and, you know, 2024. But the hard reality is that if you look at what's going on in Hollywood right now and people are pushing off release dates and, and project to 2021, you know, and what's going on with the vaccine rollout, we don't know what's going to happen. In fact, I, Actually, I honestly... You know, there is a, a little bit of a telltale sign, and this is the, the weird nugget, is that they've talked about... Fantastic Four. Like we've got a director, mm -hmm. right? We know that that that's yep. going to happen. There's there's a plan. They've they've released words about Fantastic Four being a real movie, mm -hmm. and nothing yet about any mutant films. And we've got a packed schedule. So mm -hmm. what I really believe is is that yes, mm -hmm. they'll open up the multiverse of madness with Wanda, and they're going to tip their hat and go the X Men from the Fox universe that exists. And you know what? It's streaming on Disney Plus. Go watch it right now and give us another twelve bucks, and that'll be fine. I'm okay with that if if they want to do that. Mm -hmm. But we're not getting new X Men until after we get Fantastic Four taken care of, zipped up, mm -hmm. and launching a whole new thing that's either going to be Galactus or it's going to mm -hmm. be Doctor Doom. Because beyond that, who gives a crap about anything else but Galactus and Doctor Doom when it comes to the Fantastic Fours? top villains it's those two mm -hmm. so 
we've got that. And I think with Eternals being mm-hmm. a thing uh, coming out soon and their story starting at the beginning of time, running all the way up to mm-hmm. present day and maybe even beyond, I think Galactus mm-hmm. fits into that, that galactic, that timeless space story where Fantastic mm-hmm. Four, you know, maybe they introduce the hint of Galactus the way that we got our hint of Thanos Fantastic mm-hmm. Four enters, and it's going to be a long time before we get to proper, real X Men. We got we might get a Wolverine cameo here, or we might get uh, origin of a new mutant popping up here or there. But mm-hmm. until we get all of them to team up for X Men, going to be a long, long time. No, and I just I hope if if they're going to do Galactus. That they don't do what they did with uh, the Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Force, yeah. yeah, Surfer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, it's an ocean of you have one of the great villains of the Marvel universe and like, use it, use this material. Anyway, I, I we were talking just a second ago about the pandemic, and I, I did you catch that that video that Tom Holland did? on the Disney Parks blog about web slingers, about working on the project. Yeah. I felt so bad for the team because they were showing uh, the ride vehicle and they had Tom Holland and two other people in a car and they were all flicking their wrists and it looks wonderful. And it's like, and you and I both know that right now that's not how this attraction can operate. There's got to be a plexiglass shield and there's got to be again you know, limited capacity. And it's just like all of this work for the Avengers campus. They're going to make a deal with Saran Wrap and you just step in here real quick, spin around five times real fast, open your mouth so we can poke a breathing hole in, a patent pending breathing hole. There you go. <laughs> and then we'll just shove you in the car and you can, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, 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 uh, before I forget, yeah. and, and in fact, it's one of our listeners, Dave Holland, reminded me of this past weekend, by the way, Dave's working on a, uh, a paper for his MBA. Uh, about the Walt Disney Company's acquisition of Marvel Entertainment back in August of 2009. And he reminded me, because he was looking for this information as part of his research for his paper, that we were supposed to do that thing where we put pictures up online and people were going to help us identify all of the characters that were under the master licensing agreement that Marvel Entertainment had with MCA from back in 1994. And I apologize, folks. This is not Aaron's fault. This is my fault. We announced that project. And then I think we only put up one or two photos and then didn't follow through. So for all of us who are are stuck at home looking for something else to do, starting, well, this this podcast in theory goes up on Friday. So starting on Saturday, we're going to start putting up those photos. And uh, honestly, folks, Aaron and I would love your help on this project because we, what we really want to do on the other side to help out Mr. Holland here uh, is get, you know, something approaching a definitive listing of which characters did get licensed to Universal for the Islands Adventure theme park. So that as we talk now about, uh, you know, <laughs> spunk, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, and likewise what Disney's got, it's the notion of, okay, so what characters are off the table because of the Universal deal? But yeah, we'll get those pictures up shortly, and and hopefully in, in two weeks' time, Aaron and I will get a, a new 
episode of, of Marvelous Disney up or we'll 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 get episode four and episode five of um uh, wandavision and and hopefully aaron it'll make the turn it'll uh, you know it'll, it'll you know because uh, again you i think you were making the joke about uh schrodinger's cat yeah it, it, well it's it's a it's a double play because we know that you love Chekhov's gun so if you show Chekhov's mm-hmm. gun in act one mm-hmm. And Schrodinger's cat in Act Two is it dead by Act Three? We don't know if it made a sound like the tree in the woods. We don't know if the cat's alive or dead till you open the box. There's just so many questions with Chekhov's gun and Schrodinger's cat, but and the tree, yeah, and the tree in the forest, and the tree in the forest. Oh, I did also before we close the show, I was going to no. throw a prediction out about uh, mm-hmm. because we're talking about streaming services like Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And like Netflix and things like HBO Max, just from a marketing side, I am going to place a bet that HBO Max is going to start using their original name of Home Box Office in some of their marketing materials in the very near future because they know they've got a stranglehold on the movie industry right now they've been putting out the trailer of all the blockbuster movies that you can see and it's like they do say in this wonderful epic trailer of all these wonderful movies that you can see them same day in theaters as you can on hbo max but until the quarantine or until the um vaccines have been rolled out and everybody's up on their shots theaters aren't going to really start thriving again yet. And so HBO Max is going to just be dominating uh, because they've got a, a stranglehold on all of these different properties that include things like Dune, the Godzilla versus Kong. They've got the Matrix sequel, Matrix 4, which is, you know, the hugest thing in the world, possibly. Who knows? But... Where are you going to go see it? HBO Max. And you don't have to go to the movie theater and spend, you know, if it's $10 per ticket and you take the whole family for 40 bucks, you're going to spend 15 bucks for HBO Max or whatever the price is. I don't know what the price is right now. But yeah, you're going to go for the, the one-time subscription and you're going to watch a bunch of movies and they're going to have a blockbuster every month, which is what the theaters need to survive. And with HBO sucking all of that oxygen out of the room and the marketing team, if they're smart, and if they're cutthroat enough, they're going to start using the words home box office just to remind people you can't go to the box office without risking your life. Stay at home and watch the box office from home at home box office. I swear to God, wow. Jim, I mean, this is I mean, it's it's marketing. No, it's it's actually almost painfully brilliant. I mean, it, again, seriously, check should go to Aaron Adams. You know, that you folks at Warner's, you know, just come on, make good. Right now, you, you, you got to think about what's what's on offer. And we know Disney's strategy is it's Star Wars and it's Marvel. We, we need the mm-hmm. regular TV shows, the series mm-hmm. for both Marvel and Star Wars. And then we need mm-hmm. the films for the theaters. So we know and then mm-hmm. those films will end up on Disney Plus. So we know that strategy. And then you've got things like Netflix and they're spending a fortune on animation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Asian films and TV shows and series that are coming to Netflix. So they're much more about the world. I've seen some Danish shows and some German shows that are just fabulous. 
So Netflix has got a, a more worldwide angle. They want to appeal to the entire globe. Doesn't matter what language you speak. They've got content that was made in your homeland. And that's comforting to a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look at HBO Plus and, you know, they, they need something to exist. And so mm-hmm. they're going to be having to remind people what they are exactly. And their slogan used to be, it's not TV, it's HBO. And HBO is home box office, and they own that right now. They own the box office because the real box office don't exist. So if they don't lean into that, they fools. And then last thing that you had on the list was um, CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. remember complaining this whole time about I don't feel right about paying for CBS All Access because CBS is a free, it's a network. You know how they mm-hmm. cured that? They're going to change that to Paramount+. Plus. I thought I saw that. Right? Saw That's going to take yeah. over in February. That's They're going to change their name because Paramount is, is films and movies, much more prestigious mm-hmm. than CBS, which is free TV. And so they're revamping their image simply by changing their name, but they're not changing their content. They just want you to start thinking about their movies. And the movies mm-hmm. also just happens to coincidentally contain the entire CBS library. How fortunate. Right. So the the battle is on, Jim. The battle is on. Yeah. And my mm-hmm. prediction is HBO is going to start leaning into their old name, home box office. And it's going to be like a a gun and a knife fight, really. It is such a, a fascinating time to be somebody who writes about entertainment because change used to come, you know, at a glacial pace. And now, you know, if you think about it... Oh, this it, is a these, turf war. It's like the Oklahoma land yeah. rush. You know, these are the Sooners. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's such a strange time and just trying to stay on top of it. But again, that, that's what hopefully makes the show fun, that there's always new news. And uh, we also have new news over the other uh, the podcasts we have here at, at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa, uh, likewise fine-tuning with Drew Taylor, we also have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. I'll be recording a new show with him this week. Likewise, a new I Want That with Michelle Valladolid. And I'm going to be doing a, a solo Lucasfilm while we get ready to try out some new hosts for the Star Wars Indiana Jones type podcast. Tell you what, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be very helpful. Social media-wise, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Thanks for listening, and Andrew and I will be back soon. Yeah.